Last week, uh, as I was pr uh, preaching a sermon the Lord laid on my heart on dealing with anxiety, we got home and well, I got a lot of response from you guys. And believe it or not, this week I got so much response off of that. I was amazed of messages and, and on emails and as well as calls and you guys personally. But when we got home, uh, Morgan, where's Morgan at? There she is, Morgan. Morgan is like, Dad, that was like the best sermon ever. And I'm thinking, here's a, a, a blessed 14-year-old that's talking about anxiety being the best message I ever preached. I'm like, come on now. And then I said, well, uh, what should I follow it up with? And she and Townsend in unison go, they go, uh, depression and anxiety. You know, some, I reckon that's a song now, a Christian song that's out there. And I'm like, there's a song named, and it starts out depression and anxiety. And they're like, yeah, because everybody's dealing with it. And my, our, my generation uh, is what she said. My generation, we, we deal with depression and anxiety. And I'm like, man, you're just 14. You shouldn't have to even know what that means, you know? Wow. So my heart began to say, Lord, I understand why you had me speak this. Because the messages that I got back and the replies and responses was from folks with gray hair, with no hair, and uh, the young folks that still had peach fuzz on their chin, you know? So I'm like, wow, this is really an attack of the enemy. The enemy is really crying in this day and age when it seems like we have more and we're blessed and we have more conveniences than ever and everything seems to be better, but the enemy is coming in with a spirit of anxiety and fear and depression and trying his best to rob us of the joy of the Lord. Well, we, we're not going to take what the enemy gives us. We're going to take what the Lord has given us and we're going to fight against the enemy. Amen? Amen. So we're just going to follow that up and we're going to be dealing with depression today. Dealing with depression. I mean, we're now into the Thanksgiving and moving into Christmas season and People are singing, you know, I'll have a blue Christmas without you, you know. And they're thinking about people, you know, that's gone on and maybe they're not in their life anymore and they're going to be singing about the blues. No, we're not going to sing about the blues. We're not going to allow this spirit of depression uh, to get into our lives. Because believe you me, the enemy uses any weakness, any entrance he can in our lives at any age of our life to bring in a spirit and the spirit of depression can be really, it can be paralyzing and it can do a lot of damage. So we're going to learn from God's Word how to deal with depression in a practical way so we can go into this week, go into this season, and we can walk and talk and live in the victory that God has given us. Amen? So are you ready for that? Well, there was this businessman and uh, he was on his deathbed and he called in his friend Bill, and he said, Bill, I want you to make me a promise. And Bill says, yeah, Tom, I'll do what I can. He said, well, when I die, I want my uh, body to be cremated. And Bill said, well, Tom, what do you want me to do with your ashes? Uh, you know, I really don't want them in my house. And uh, he replied, well, just put them in an envelope, and uh, write on the envelope, you know, now you have everything, and address it to the IRS, you know. And I'm like, what a depressing thought. Did you want to end your life? Sending your ashes to the IRS and say, now you got everything. <laughs> Teacher was talking to her kids and uh, she said, boys and girls, there's this wonderful example that, uh, in life uh, that when we look at an ant, I don't know if you've ever watched an ant, she said, but they get up every day and they go to work and they work all day, they're all busy and, and they work, come and go and come and go and, and, and in the end, what happens? And little Johnny says, me, 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 me. And she said, what? What happened? She says, someone, he said, someone steps on them. <laughs> I think many of us feel like we've probably been stepped on as we've tried to live life and we've been hurt and circumstances have come in and unexpected things have come in and really tried to squash us and take. We had ideals that we wanted in life and ideals that we were pursuing and it's like circumstances didn't line up with that. And the enemy uses every disappointment and everything he can to bring in the spirit of depression. 
And then we have to learn to how to deal with this depression. Because depression is like putting on these tinted glasses. And you have these tinted glasses and now everywhere you look, everything is dark. Everything is bleak. Everything is hopeless. Everything is helpless. It, it colors everything. It's what the Spirit does. And it robs you of the quality of life. And it robs you of your purpose and your destiny. And, uh, and it's, it's not just a spiritual affliction, but it's a physical uh, affliction as well. Because your neurons in the synapses in your brain, they don't fire properly, leading to this imbalance in the brain. So it's a real deal. It's a real deal. And this imbalance causes this depressed first person to feel awful. You ever felt like that? You just feel awful. You, you, it's like your entire world is falling apart and it leaves you vulnerable and, and, and you've just, you just feel like you're stumbling through life. You're stumbling in your faith. Man, depression is ugly and the enemy uses it with, without a heart. He's heartless and he will destroy your life with it. But we're going to look at God's Word and we're going to identify it and we're going to learn how to put a stop to it beginning today in Jesus' name. Now what I need you to do is take the spirit of pride and set it aside right now. Say, spirit of pride, you blind me. Spirit of pride, you make me say this isn't for me. Spirit of pride, you make me miss the knowledge I need so that I can be an overcomer. So sit over here. If there, if there, no, if there's somebody beside you, don't put it there. How about just put it under your chair and kind of prop your feet on it right now and say, it's under my feet. You spirit of pride, you're under my feet. And let's honestly assess ourselves and see if we have been, are, or what to do if we do or face with depression. Here's some symptoms of depression. And this poor guy here, don't he look bad? Poor fella. But here's some symptoms of depression. And, and one is this sense of helplessness. Man, when that spirit is on you, you don't feel like you can succeed. You don't feel like you can, you can be promoted. You don't feel like you can take care of your family. You don't feel like you're going to make it in school. You don't feel like you, you can have the friends that, that, that is going to be a positive influence in your life. You just feel helpless. You feel helpless. Let me tell you what. That is not how God wants you to live. But that's how the devil wants you to live, and he'll bring it with depression. Another thing is guilt. Oh my, if you have made a mistake and look at somebody and say, I know you did it. Just look at them and say, I know you did it. Just do it. Do it. I know you help them out. Help them out. Say, I know you did it. I know you did it. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, I know you did it. I know you did it. We're all guilty. And we have to learn that there's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And that's not just a head knowledge. We've got to come to the foot of the cross and we've got to ask the Lord to cleanse us with that precious uh, 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 blood, uh, the blood that He shed, that precious blood that He shed for us, that crimson tide uh, that He would wash us white as snow. We should not live, around, live carrying guilt around. We should know that Jesus did everything in His power to take the guilt off of us if we would come to Him and ask for His forgiveness. But when, you try, when you're living with guilt, boy, let me tell you what, the devil looks at that as an open door to bring that spirit of depression in. And then there's anger. You ever deal with somebody? You know, it's like uh, they just, they just all, seem like everything's going okay and all of a sudden just the smallest thing and bam, they blow up. They blow up. They're angry. They're mad. You're like, what in the world did I do? I, I know uh, our kids were saying one of the friends that they have that was always so uh, congenial, he's so nice, he's just so respectful, and they said, I don't know what happened to him. He just, he's angry, he gets mad about anything now. So we started praying for him because, man, we, we know what the enemy's trying to bring into his life, this spirit of depression. I don't know, maybe the enemy got in through some disappointment or through some hurt he had, a relationship or in his family, I don't know, but I know there's a sign there that the enemy is at work. Uh, withdrawing from friends and family. Man, that's one thing the spirit of depression will do. Make you pull away. Make you go, get isolated. So now that you're isolated, the devil can keep just uh, rehearsing his choir over you, saying you're worthless. You're, you're never going to succeed. You're, nobody likes you. You, know, you need to just go and eat some worms. You know, you know what that song is? <laughs> nobody likes me. And the devil will do that when he gets you isolated. You do need to isolate from the bad, fam uh, bad friends, but you need to be united with some good friends. And I pray here at Christian Embassy, we can be that positive voice for you as well. 
And then you lose your concentration. You once were so driven, you had focus, you were going to take your business here, you are going to take your family here, you are going to take your career here, you are going to take your education here, you are going to take your sports here, you was going to take whatever. And now you just, it's just like all of that got foggy. And you're no longer razor sharp and focused. Man, it may be a sign that, that the spirit of depression is there. And then thoughts of death. I'm telling you that pride is under your feet. So go ahead and admit it. You know good and well the devil who Jesus said is only trying to kill, steal, and destroy. He's told you you'd be better off dead. He's told every one of us you'd be better off dead. The world would be a better place if you were dead. You'll never, you'll never have a good life. You just as well go ahead and die. Let me tell you what. That is the devil. And you need to recognize that as a sign and a symptom of depression. And that is spiritual darkness that you've got to deal with. Another is changes in your appetite. You, you're either eating more than you did before without balance or you're not eating at all. Let me tell you what. You put T-O-O in front of anything and you can know it is straight from hell. Too much of anything, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Did you know that? So you've got to understand that. And then energy loss. Man, that's the depression, that spirit will zap you of your get up and go. I'm telling you, you want to be able to jump up in the morning and say, wait a minute, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I got things to do. I got people to help. I got people to bless. I got places to go. I, I've got a, a, a destiny to fulfill. Man, we got to have the energy to live this life. But depression will rob you of that, which ties right into your sleep problem. You're not getting the rest. You may be even sleeping more than you would normally sleep. A lot of depression is too much sleep. And then others of it, they can't get sleep. But the thing is, when you do sleep, you don't rest. You're not going into that restful zone. And then you wake up and you're as grumpy and tired as you was or more so before you went to bed. No, you want to get up in the morning and refresh. You want to get up in the morning when you open your eyes and say, you know what, This God's given me a new day and I'm going to make the best of it. I, I want to follow God. I want to be used by God today to be a blessing to my friends or my family. Just start out saying, this is the day. Don't let the devil rob you. And then the other one, people begin to self-medicate with alcohol and drugs, uh, whether it's dealing with their sleep or it's dealing with their uh, anxiety or it's dealing with their energy loss or whatever these uh, other symptoms are, they start self-medicating and they'll even go to the doctor and get prescribed and because it's prescribed, you know it's got to be good for you. Let me tell you what, when you put chemicals in your body, especially a lot of chemicals, those chemicals have reactions among themselves within the chemical structure of your body and all kinds of stuff can be happening. You need to be careful with all the stuff that you're pouring into your life because let me tell you what, that, that, that alcohol can get a hook in you. You say, oh, just a glass of wine to get me calmed down. Next thing you know, it's a bottle of wine to get me calmed down. Next thing you know, some smeared off vodka. Got to get me this little drink mixed up or I got to get me some of this Crown Royal. Next thing you know, come on now. Don't y'all be looking at me with those Dollar Tree halos. Y'all been posting it on Facebook. Y'all been pacing. Yeah, I used to think those Dollar Tree halo, those uh, Dollar Tree halos were real, okay? But y'all done been posting on Facebook, okay? So I know. You better be careful. I'm just telling you, you better be careful because the devil can get a hook. I mean, the bars will even tell you. Spirits, spirits, they'll write it out. They'll have it across their marquee. Spirits, they're not ashamed of it. And the cops will pull you over and say, you're driving under the influence. Under the influence of what? Spirits. That brings you to yield to demonic spirits. Oh, the devil loves it. The devil loves it. But you better be careful. And depression will open the door for all of these things. See, see, some people look at depression as the common cold. You know, they refer to it as the common cold of the emotions. I say, no, 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 no. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's accurate. I see depression more as emotional cancer than a cold. Because a cold can come and go, and you sniffle, and you just, next thing you know, it's all gone. But cancer comes and it tries to destroy you. Depression, that spirit comes, it tries to destroy you. Depression is a plague of epidemic proportions. It is one of the most prevalent disorders there is among the young and the old alike, and research suggests that it's caused by a combination of genetic, biological, environmental, psychological, and spiritual factors. So we got all these factors that we live in and the enemy will use any and all of them to try to get this spirit into our life. And I'm here to tell you that this disease of the soul has to be attacked 
by, by our faith because it is an attack on our faith. Do you know that? Depression wants to get you to the place where you're weary and well-doing and you do not reap what God has for you. So depression is an attack on your faith. So by faith, we need to be man up and woman up today. We're in the gym right now. We're getting ready and prepared so with our marching orders so that we can uh, let our faith attack this depression and not go with us into our November and our December and the rest of the year. But now, like I said, our pride is under our feet. You stomp your feet to keep it there. It's under your feet, okay? And now, because we need to be honest with ourselves. Don't be so super spiritual. Let me tell you, when you get the Bible, you'll find God showed you men and women of God who had to deal with depression. You see, Moses had to deal with depression. He's the leader of the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land through the wilderness. He's surrounded by them griping and whining. We need water. This water is bitter. We're starving. This bread is boring. We need some meat. Come on, we hate this manna. Man, if you were surrounded by millions of people, chronic complainers, I guarantee you get depressed too. And maybe you have to listen to a lot of complaining in your life. And that, uh, it's very understandable how the enemy will bring depression in on that. Look at Job. He lost everything. He, then he cursed the day he was born. In Job 3 and 11, he says, Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Look what he says. I have no peace. There's no quietness in me. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Man, he was dealing with depression and he was saying, you know, I cursed the day I was even born. I wish I'd have died. Stillbirth. And Elijah dealt with uh, depression. Here's a mighty prophet of God. You remember the story? He calls down the fire from heaven. There's the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah, 850 altogether. He has challenged the king and the queen of the land. And now you see God comes through and shows that he's the true and only God. And the next thing you know, Jezebel puts out a threat that by tomorrow, Elijah will be dead. He runs a, a day's journey. And then there he is in 1 Kings 19 saying, Oh, I wish I would die. I'd be better off dead. You know, nobody else is standing with me. Oh, my goodness, depression. It's real. David was depressed. Pastor Odika is listening to the Bible audio and she just came through the Psalms and she says, you know what? She came in the room down there. She said, you know what? David was a whiner. She said, David was a whiner. He was melancholy. Oh, my goodness. He's crying and, and pleading before the Lord and, and whining about this. She said, wow. She said, man. But then it always turned. It always turned. He'd catch himself and he would turn it to praise. He would start out in the dark and end up in the light. Well, today, if you started out in the dark, I pray God would use me to help you end up in the light of the love and the power of God. Psalm 6, he says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. Oh, Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul, my soul is in anguish. How long, oh, Lord, how long? I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Wow, sounds pretty sad to me. <laughs> then you get in the New Testament, you find the Apostle Paul. Even he has to deal with depression. You get into 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you see uh, he, we're told that this messenger of Satan was sent to, to torture him. This messenger of Satan, like a thorn in the flesh, came and was against him. And, 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 he's, and let me tell you what, you need to understand that if there's any torture coming against you, if there's a messenger of Satan that is trying to be a thorn in your flesh and bring depression in your life, let me tell you what, you need to recognize as Paul did, this is of the devil. This is a messenger of Satan. This ain't from God. This thorn in my flesh ain't from God. This depression I'm having to deal with is not from God. It is from Satan himself. Now, almost everyone, or I would say everyone, has to deal with depression in some form or another at one time or another. But I'm here to encourage you. Depression is not the end of the story. God's people do not have to live in a dark world of depression. Let me say that again. God's people, we don't have to live in the world, this dark world of depression. Our God does hear our cry and He answers our prayers. Hallelujah. David said in Psalms 41 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord and He turned to me. 
He turned to me. He heard my cry. And He lifted me up out of this slimy pit of depression. He lifted me up out of this mud and this mire. I'm telling you, sometimes depression comes. It's like a slimy pit. You're just going through life. Next thing you know, you just feel down. You feel heavy. You feel sad. You feel dark. You feel despondent. You feel depressed. It's like, what in the world? It's a slimy pit. But I'm telling you, the hand of God is not short that He can't reach in and lift you up out of that slimy pit. David said, my God heard my cry and He answered my cry. God gave us that record so that we would know today that if we're dealing with depression and we're in a low place, we can cry out to God and God will turn to us and God will reach out and He will lift you up out of that depression. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that if any of you are in a low place or any of you that are tuned in are in a low place that the right hand of God which is mighty to save would reach right in and lift you up right now into a bright and happy place in Him. We know in Job chapter 42 and verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first part. He come out double blessed. He came out double blessed. Now Job, didn't even, that we know of, didn't even have a covenant with God. Now here's a man without a covenant of God that gets double blessed. The devil tried to depress and take him down, but God lifted him up. We have a better covenant than all the covenants of the whole Bible. We have the best covenant, Hebrews 7 and 8 says, so you and I should expect even more. Devil, you're going to pay me back, multiplied, pressed down, shaken together. You're going to pay me back for the days of sorrow you have caused me. And then we see in Paul, where Paul, when he was reaching out to God, he says, my, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, what, some people say, ah, oh, that just means to live with it. No, look at it. My power, my, God says, I, through my grace, I'm coming in with power. And in your position of depression and your position of this thorn in your flesh, what the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to turn it for good. The stones that he's thrown against you, I'm going to make them the stepping stones of your life because God says my power came into your weakness and manifest. That word power means manifest. My manifest power. Now, in other words, not just a, the, the concept of power, not just a theology of power, not just a philosophy of power. He says, my manifest power. I came in and did something. Hallelujah! I don't know if you got a thorn in your flesh today, but you can know, you can call on God and His grace is sufficient for you where His manifest power will come in and bring you into your liberty. Praise God. So let us look at several practical things from God's Word that can help us deal with depression. And the first one I have to say is you got to stop complaining. you got to stop complaining. You say, Pastor, that sounds so cold. Pastor, you don't understand. It's the spillover of the pain of my heart. I understand. But let me tell you what. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. The power of blessing and cursing is in your power of your tongue. And you got to stop releasing the curse and you got to stop releasing the death. you got to stop it. So you got to stop complaining. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and 14, do everything without complaining. New Testament teaching to us Christians, do everything you do without complaining and without arguing. There was this man who went into a restaurant and he sat down and he had his head down and looked really sad. The waitress came to him and he said, I know it's kind of late in the day. Are you still serving breakfast? She said, sure we are. Well, let me have some watery scrambled eggs and some burnt toast and some wheat coffee. Whatever you say, sir. Are you real busy now, miss? She said, no, I'm not. Once I bring you breakfast, I, I've got a little free time. What do you need? Well, I'd like for you to sit here with me just for a few minutes and nag me for a while. I'm homesick. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that anyone could be homesick for nagging and complaining. And before you men pooch out your chest like, ah, naggings of women. I've met a lot of nagging men. Oh, don't you all men get all masculine on me. I've met a lot of nagging men. And if we're neither male nor female in Christ, we can take the Old Testament that says better on the roof than in the house with a nagging wife or better on the roof than in the house with a nagging husband. Come on now. Somebody better stick with me. Praise God. But do everything without complaining or arguing. 
God is commanding us to stop complaining. And it's not that, that he really, he could, he could just, he can just say, don't hear it. You know, he's God. He's, I just don't hear it. But he knows it's doing you harm because the power's in your tongue. The power's in your mouth. You, and you've got to understand that. And let me tell you what, we've got to do it God's way. See, God does not like complaining and griping and whining, okay? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is New Testament teaching, looking back at some Old Testament history, and it says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, Paul's writing to Christians there, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. So he's, you know, he's saying all of this that was typified in the Old Testament, that rock, that was Christ. That's why Moses was to speak to it rather than to strike it and he broke a tight there and all this stuff. So he's talking about that. But he says here, nevertheless... God was not pleased with most of them. They're following the cloud by day and the pillar fire by night, drinking the water God's given them, eating the manna that God's given them, but God, most of them, God is not pleased with. Now look at verse 10. And do not grumble as they did. And their grumbling opened up for the killing or the destroying angel to come and kill them. Now, Jesus is telling us Satan is like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. Can I get into your life? Can I get into your life? Can I get into your life? Come on, I want to destroy you. I want This destroying angel is trying to get into your life right now. And he's looking for an opening. And here they were killed by this destroying angel because of their, their complaining and their griping and their, their, their just, uh, uh, the words that they were speaking about their circumstances. Now, this is New Testament teaching. Don't go and Old Testamentize this, if that's even a word. And, uh, and, and just, this is for us today. The words that come out of our mouth are very powerful, and we're going to be held accountable for every one of them. Come on now. Someone was saying, whenever you're tempted to tell your troubles to other people, remember that half of your listeners aren't interested and the rest are glad you're getting what's coming to you. <laughs> Think about that next time. You're trying to bend somebody's ear with all your stuff. Half of them really don't care, and the other half are smiling behind the, the, the concerned look they have on their face because they're like, yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> so instead of complaining about what we don't have or what we don't like in our lives, we should look at what we do have and begin to thank God and magnify God in what we do have. Always focus on the positive. It will help you overcome depression in life. Second thing is stay tuned. Stay tuned. I don't know what your favorite TV channel is, maybe ESPN or you know, some sports channel, especially now that football is going on, or perhaps it's the History Channel. I don't know. Maybe it's HGTV. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting older or what, but I'm liking some of the public TV stuff with uh, Antiques Roadshow and, and, uh, and, and the, uh, what is it, uh, This Old House, you know. And my kids are like, Dad, you already saw that. I said, I know, but I just like it, you know. And, uh, or Me TV, and I'm watching, you know, Gomer Pyle or, or Opie and Andy and Aunt B or something like that, you know. And, you know, and they're like, this isn't even in color, but that's where I like the, the morals of the story and so forth that is there. And uh, funny thing about the uh, uh, Antiques Roadshow, I just got a new chair. I've been sitting in the same office chair for decades, and the, the, the cushion wore beyond the wood. So the wood's up here, and so I'm sitting on wood, and it's putting my legs to sleep, and, and I'm like, you know, I just need to get a new chair. So I got a new chair, and Caleb said, I want, I want your chair, Dad. And Mom said, no, the leather's ripped on it, and the cushion's on it. He said, no, I want it in my room. And uh, so he put it up in his room, and I said, I saw my chair at your desk in your room. And he says, yeah, one day it'll be on Antiques Roadshow. And I'll say, <laughs> he said, my dad, I'll say, my dad, my dad prepared thousands of sermons in that chair, and it'll be worth something. <laughs> what 12-year-olds won't come up with? <laughs> but whatever your favorite channel is, you've got to stay tuned in. And the same is true with God. You've got to stay tuned into God. Don't turn God off when you leave here on Sunday. 
There's some people say, well, you got to do business the world's way. When in Rome, do as Rome, you know. But I'm telling you what, Rome don't own this world. This world belongs to my God. This earth belongs to the Lord, and, and, and it's the footstool of God, and it, He has prepared it for us. Let me tell you what, we don't just give it away. We are to claim it. So let's stay tuned in with God. Amen. There was this story was told that where Mark Twain was invited to go all through Europe in this tour, and his European tour uh, was from, from country to country, great universities. They would get there, and, and they would have his banner up, and welcoming Mark Twain, and, and there were even kings that, that would have him into their court. And, and, and when they got home, his, his daughter had gone with him, and uh, he said, what did you think about this European tour? She said, Daddy, she says, it's amazing. It's like uh, uh, everybody knows you. She, she said, everybody knows you except God. That's what his own daughter said. I don't know about you, but that would wake me up. We've got to realize that we've got to, we've got to bring God into everything that we do. God will help you succeed in the business world. God will help you succeed in school. I'm here to tell you, God will supernaturally help you succeed in every area of life and stay on the victory side. But you've got to stay tuned into Him. You've got to allow Him to be first in your life. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 11, He said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him I'm telling you I love my kids Townsend just turned 21 on Thursday and we couldn't wait that morning we're like come on we're gonna give him his gifts and and Morgan was at school and Caleb was at school but but Morgan and Caleb got together and got him something that and he wanted it before they got home so he even goes in their room and gets it Morgan came home and said this ain't fair I wanted to see the expression on his face but he wanted that coffee thing that you know he wanted to try it that morning you know and and there I've got some personalized stuff and his mama's got some stuff and we're just so excited and, and to see his expression on his face and all because we love we love our new 21 year old man that's in the house help us Lord and uh, and uh, so it's just exciting and then I think of this scripture how much more I'm like I can't even imagine going to another level but God does it even better he wants to give good gifts to those who ask him he wants to bless you he wants to prosper you he wants to help you he wants to bring you out of depression he wants you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory he wants that for you he's a good God we just gotta ask stay tuned in to him hallelujah and, and I'm telling you what, the best way to stay tuned, the only way to stay tuned in with Him is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus has to be our Lord and Savior. John 14 and 6, someone recently told me they didn't like this scripture. And I said, well, I don't have the privilege of taking it out. And I do like it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. No one else shed their blood, sinless blood. No one else hung on a cross to take the curse off of you to get the blessing on you. Nobody else did that for you. Nobody else was buried in a tomb and on the third day rose again and now ascended unto the right hand of the Father to intercede for us and has plans to come back to receive us unto Himself. Nobody else has done that for us. No other name, no other person, no other personality, no stone, no tree, no stump, nothing. I'm here to tell you there's only one way and that's Jesus Christ. God says, I sent my only begotten Son that if you, I, I, I love you. That's what God said. I love you so much. I've given you my only begotten son that if you'll believe in him, you should not perish but have everlasting life. Mark 16 and 16, Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what Jesus said. And then in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We connect to God through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendering our lives to Him. I ask you this morning, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe? Do you believe that He died on the cross to save you from your sins? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God raised Him from the dead on the third day? Hallelujah! And He's now seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for you. Do you believe that? If you do, all you need to do is surrender your life to Him. Surrender your life to Him. Oh, believe and obey and be baptized and then walk with Him. Read His Word and allow His Spirit to fill you and flow through you. You will have one of the greatest lives. You will have the life God created for you. 
that will lead you into the purpose and the destiny that He has for you in whatever career path it is, and you will be blessed. Hallelujah. So stop complaining. Stay tuned in. And shape up. Shape up. Oh, we're spiritual. We've got our halos from the Dollar Tree. You know, we got, it's all about us just praying and all. No, we've got a physical temple we've got to take care of. We've been given this body and it's the vehicle that carries our spirit man around and we need to take care of it. First Timothy 4 and 8, for physical training is of some value. It has value. We Start walking. Start walking. You need to get your, your body was made to be in motion. Your body was made with many muscles and joints and ligaments and tendons and, and arteries and capillaries and, and veins and all the organs and the systems that it has to, to function, not to just lay. I remember a Marine. I'll never forget him. And uh, Sister Betty, your grandson, you remember when he was up in the hospital, uh, strong, I mean, he squeaked with muscles. Ben, Benjamin, Benji, ben, Benji, what I call him. He squeaked with muscles. You ever met somebody that squeaks with muscles? Well, the Allens, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you've got so many muscles, you just squeak, you know. Well, that's how he was. And, and I forget what it was, but he was in the hospital, and he's in the bed for a couple of weeks. And, and uh, they, they got him better, and he got up without the nurse's permission to go use the bathroom, and he fell. And I got there about that time, and he, they rushed in there, and, uh, and he's crying. He is so upset. He's, he got in that bed a couple weeks before, and he could, he could lift that bed over his head if he wanted to, and now he couldn't even walk. And they're trying to explain to him, you know, you got to go through rehab, because when you don't use your muscles, you lose them. Uh, this, and this, this atrophy and stuff takes place, and, but they can be rebuilt, but you got to use them. So the body breaks down when we don't use it. So we got to shape up. And when the body breaks down, when the vehicle is, you know, some of my most depressed days in my life is when I had an old 69 Ford Fairlane with a straight, a slant six in it, and uh, it burnt oil. And what that means is oil was getting into the cylinders, and I could go 200 miles. That was about the mark. And then that oil would cake up with uh, this batter, you know, this crusty batter on the spark plugs. So the spark couldn't get through, and it started running like a Volkswagen. And then it would stop running altogether. So I had a little toolbox in the back. No matter where it started that, I'd pull outside the road. I'd pop my trunk, get my tools, and pop the hood, and I'd pull the spark plugs out. And I would break that crust off of the tips of them and reset them and had sanding paper in there and everything and get it all cleaned up and put them back in and it'd go again. And, and I remember going on a date one time, and, uh, and I forgot. It had been raining that week, and I run off work, and I went and picked up this girl, and, and we drive out her driveway and get about two miles from her house, and it starts going, pouring down rain. And I pull over the side of the road, and I do my little routine. Now I'm soaking wet. That car had me depressed all the time. That vehicle was broke down. Well, I'm telling you what, when your vehicle is broke down, you get depressed. I opens the door for depression. And you say, well, I may can't move much, but you need to start moving something. And the next thing you know, you'll be able to move a little more. And well, doctors told me I couldn't go but to this place. Well, that doctor is not God. And they're telling you what medically it is, but God is a supernatural God. You just keep moving and keep working, and you'll find God will help you do things that they said you could never do. My dad got shot when I was eight years old. Shot right in the spine, up to the brain, with buckshot, dissevered all of his nerves. He's laying there paralyzed from his neck down at 31 years old. Happened on my mom's 30th birthday. And he's laying there, and the doctor said, if he lives, he'll never move anything below his chin. It is impossible. We've taken the buckshot out. The nerves were so splattered and scattered, we just trimmed them off. There's no connection from his brain to his muscles. He's going to be a vegetable the rest of his life. Well, do you know within a year, he went back to work with the sheriff's department. He was driving, and the doctor said, well, it must work like a remote control, and his brain is working remote control because there's nothing connected to make this thing happen. I'm telling you, the medical journals need to be updated with the miracles of what God is doing in your life. Those doctors meant no harm. They were just telling him this is uh, naturally what the limitation is. But I'm here to tell you, children of God, that we're not limited to the natural, but we have access to the supernatural and we should not allow any limitation hold us back. you got to shape up, shape up, shape up. Hallelujah. 
is so very important. Then the next one, separate yourself. Don't you allow negative, negative, whiny, crying uh, people to drag you down. I love this little illustration. This little girl was balancing herself on her head and a neighbor came by and said, aren't you too young to do that, young lady? You're only six years old. She said, that's all right. In this position, I'm nine. (laughs) Turn your six upside down. Come on now. I like that little girl. But that neighbor, I want to I have a talk with that neighbor because there's negative people out there and they spread negative news. They feel like they were put on God's green earth to spread negative news. And let me tell you what, you just have to limit what they say in your life. You just got to say, you know what? I'm not going to allow everything that you want to pull through a vomit on me. I'm just not going to receive it. I call it giving them the hand. I had somebody tell me one time, you're never going to do this and you're never going to do that. And God, you're going to be a pastor. Pastor, that is ridiculous. If you're going to be a pastor, then you're going to be poor all of your life and your kids are going to be demons. That's what I was told. If you ever have kids, they're going to be demons, you know. PKs, oh man. And I put my hand up. Normally I would just say, you know, I don't receive that. But I put my hand up. I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I don't receive that. And they looked at me all shocked. But you will see. Well, I walked away and said, I don't receive that. And I dropped that. And you know, she dropped the mic. I dropped that right there. You ain't coming home with me, me. Come on now. Has somebody else tell me, well, you pastor, you're running all the time, never getting good sleep, all these hours, all these people's problems you're dealing with. You're going to die an early day. Don't receive that. I'm going to live. I'm going to outlive you. <laughs> Just to, I'll preach your funeral. <laughs> Come on now. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Let me tell you what. Stop suffering harm because you're letting fools speak into your life. And, and hook up with some wise folks. So hook up with some people that speak life. Hallelujah. And, and let me tell you, that is so important. So important. Proverbs 12, 26. A righteous man is cautious in friendship. Don't let just anybody get close to you and speak into your life. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 14 and 7. Stay away from a foolish man. God said, stay away. For you will not find knowledge on his lips. And then finally, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You may think, well, I'm just going to out, out be good them. If, that, if I can even say it that way. I'll be good enough that I'm going to sh- uh, spread on them and share on them and spill over on them. But it's like this here. The person at the lower level has an advantage. And if I were to take their hand, they have a greater advantage of pulling me down off this stage than me pulling them up on this stage. You better be careful in your evangelism, friendship evangelism, because if you don't stay focused and you don't stay with some accountability and people that's helping you, you will, you, bad company will corrupt your good character. you got to know God knows what He's talking about. And then finally, we got to learn to soothe others. If you want to deal with depression, you got to stop complaining. you got to stay tuned into God and His provision and His power and his love and his ability. you got to start walking and, 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 and exercising and shape up. Some people say, well, you know what? I can't walk. You know, it starts raining. Every time I say, I'm going to walk, go to the mall. Just leave your wallet at home. Go to the mall. Don't take your wallet. Go to the mall. You can walk all the miles you need to walk in there with a roof over your head and climate control, but don't take your wallet because then you'll do something that'll get you depressed. Okay. And you got to separate yourself and then you got to soothe others. Matthew 9, 36. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Man, there's some hurting people in this world. There's some hurting people in this world. These two little boys, I was reading the story behind it, that they had just lost a, a soccer match. And, uh, it, and it was a playoff, and they lost it. They, and they lost, and, and they're comforting one another. I, I can hear them right now walking off the field saying, next season, we're going to get them. We're going to get them next season. You know, we, we figured out our weaknesses, and, and we're going we're gonna to win the next one. You know, they're encouraging one another as they're walking off of the field. And in Romans 12 and 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That is so important that we stay connected and see where people are so that we can help soothe their pain. As you go into this Thanksgiving season and into this Christmas season, if you see someone hurting or someone isolated or someone seemingly carrying something that they don't need to carry, be uh, hands of God, be the voice of God, be the heart of God and reach out to them. Proverbs 12, 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. 
I pray you would make a commitment to God, not me, but a commitment to God in yourself right now that I'm going to leave this church this day. I'm going into this week and I'm going to let God use my kind words that's going to cheer somebody up. I'm going to just a kind word is going to turn their life around. A kind word is going to help them come up out of depression. A kind word is going to help them look up into the heavens unto God rather than down in despair. Let God use you. And if you do, Proverbs 11 and 25 will take place. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. So as you're given that kind word and you're helping soothe others, you're going to find the Spirit of God is going to bring refreshing into your life. Refreshment from heaven. And I don't believe there could be anything that would refresh you more uh, you know, and, and, and empower you more than the, what God would give us from heaven. Amen? Amen. Well, as we bring this part of the message to, to the close, I want to pray for you. Because I know if God gave me a message to help deal with depression... That means some of us here, if not all of us here, are dealing with or have dealt with depression. And maybe we dealt with it and didn't know how, didn't know a successful way to do it. And well, these practical tools will help you where you can learn to respond to this demonic spirit, recognizing it is a demonic spirit that is trying to come in a sad moment. To have sad circumstances is not demonic. To have a, a down day, you know, you know where, where things, you just need a break, that's not demonic. But the enemy will use those occasions to bring in a spirit. And that spirit of depression, a spirit of fear, or a spirit of anxiety can, can move in and then it begins to control your life. That we know is not of God. So to have a depressed moment is not evil, but to let depression move in and take over your life. That's evil. So what I want to do with you this morning is I want to draw this picture. You own property and, and someone has moved into that property and you've gone through the... Le you don't want them there. You don't want them there. They're tearing the property. That's your property. They're tearing it up. They're tearing it up physically. They're tearing it up. The, everything about it is ambiance, is all value. Everything's going down and you want them out. So you have to go through the legal course and you go to the courts and you get an eviction order and uh, now you have the, the, the word that says they, they have to go. So let's say we've got the Bible, we've got the word that says this, these uh, uh, squatters, you might would say, have to go. Now you go and you show them the word and maybe they don't, they still won't leave. What are you going to do? Well, if you're smart, you're going to call the authorities. Probably the sheriff's department is going to send some deputies over. Maybe the police department. I don't know whose jurisdiction or how that works. But you'll get an authority that will come. And they'll bring as much authority as needed to make sure your property is vacated. They'll make sure. If they have to drag them out in cuffs, if they have to uh, hog tie them. I've seen that done before. You know, whatever they have to do, they'll make sure that that legal order is executed and those uh, that you, those, those tenants that you don't want there have to leave. Well, this morning, right now, I want to stand with you in authority. God has given me authority as a pastor. Jesus said, I've given the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher uh, uh, over the church to, with authority. And that authority is not to overlord over anybody, but it's an authority to join with you to help execute the orders of heaven in your life so that the enemy don't laugh at you and put you off. So I want to join my faith with your faith. And the men and women of faith in this house, we want to join with you in unison and in agreement. And we want to see the eviction uh, 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 mandated so that the spirit of depression or spirit of anxiety or a spirit of fear or any of those that have moved in with the spirit of depression has to go. Has to go. This doesn't mean that you're not going to have a depressed moment in one day in your life. You just now know that that's melancholy, but I'm not opening the door for the spirit of depression that's going to control my life. I'm going to get my focus on the Lord. I'm going to get out here in the sunshine and I'm going to go and jog or walk or work out a little and I'm going to stay tuned that my God is able. My God is victorious. My God has called me to be an overcomer. I'm going to separate myself from the source of wherever that negative is coming from. I'm going to make sure I'm helping soothe 
soothe the pain of others with a kind word and I'm making sure I'm not going to be complaining and talking negative. And guess what? That depression that tried to come on you in the future will say, uh-oh, there, there's no vacancy sign up. He won't unlock the door. He won't even unlock the window. i got to go somewhere else. And you say, that's right, you got to go somewhere else. But right now you may be needing that eviction notice executed. And I want to stand with you in agreement in this closing prayer. So if you would stand with me. Come on as a congregation. Let's just stand together. Hallelujah. For you who are not dealing with this, I want to deputize you right now. If you're not dealing with a spirit of depression that is really uh, robbing the quality of your life, I want to deputize each and every one of you to join me. And, and, and we're going to together uh, unite and we're going to release the exponential of the authority of God to come and evict any spirit of depression that is in your life. God says resist the devil. He didn't say negotiate with him. He didn't say try to get a, a treaty or a, a truce or, a, or anything like that. When He said yeah, resisting, resisting, resisting. And I want us to resist him now that he'll flee in the name of Jesus. So if there's anybody here that's been dealing with depression or someone real close to you has been dealing with depression and you want to stand in for them right now, I want you to just lift your hand and say, me, I want you to help me. I want you to help me get this eviction notice uh, uh, activated right now. Look at these. God, you see these hands. You know who it is. You know what the enemy's been doing. You know what the enemy's plan is. But this is going to go right now. You keep your hand up. You keep your hand up. Everybody else, I deputize you right now in the name of Jesus. By the blood of the Lamb, I, I call you to come alongside me and let's pray for those with their hands up. Hallelujah. So come on, let's just begin to pray right now. And I want us to resist the devil. I want us to come against him. I want you to be aggressive right now. Join me, deputies in the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we come against you, spirit of depression. We come against you, spirit of anxiety. We come against you, you spirit of fear. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke you. We rebuke you. In the blood of Jesus, be against you. And the word of God against you. As the word of God is our sword, our weapon, we come against you with the authority of the word and the authority of heaven. And we resist you now, you spirit of depression. Go in the name of Jesus, you spirit of anxiety. Go now in the name of Jesus, you spirit of fear. Go now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, you move in. Move in. Just invite the Holy Spirit in. Say, Holy Spirit, come to where those evil tenants were. Fill me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. God said if we run them off and we don't fill the room or fill the house, they're coming back worse. No, we're going to fill it right now. Holy Ghost, fill me. Fill me with your protection. Fill me with your anointing. Fill me with your purpose and power. Fill me, Lord God, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I receive you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, everyone, if you would just lift your hands and say, I commit my day unto you, Lord. And I commit my week unto you, Lord. Use me to help somebody else. Just, just, like, just give your hands to him. Say, Lord, you see my hands? Here am I. Send me out of here. I want to help somebody else. I want to soothe someone else's pain. I want to bring them light. I want to bring them hope. I want to bring them encouragement. I want to bring them a kind word. I want to help my friends. I want to help, I want to help my parents. I want to help my children. I want to help my grandparents. Here, God, use me this week, God, to soothe someone else's pain. We pray in Jesus' name. And if you're ready to go forth and be used mightily of God, say amen. Amen.